Welcome back to the BP with Damani podcast. I am your host, Damani Lady, and I'm glad to be back in the chair giving you the best news boxing has to offer. I am glad to be joining you all for the 10th episode. I am extremely blessed to have you all as my audience, and I couldn't be happier doing this show just purely for the purposes of my dream of becoming a world champion and spreading the good news of boxing everywhere. Sometimes even the bad news. There's always going to be a mix of both. You can't really have the good without the bad, especially in a sport like this. The heroes, the villains, the promoters and managers and all roundabout contracts. There's just going to be good and bad no matter what. And you have to take both. But either way, like I said, 10th episode, we're making some great progress here, and the show just keeps on growing. So, you all, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this one. If you're a better man, you probably haven't liked the last few results in the matches recently. Hey, bro, come on now, dog. Come on, man. Boxing is unpredictable, sometimes the match comes down to skill, and sometimes there are fractures outside of the ring that make their way in, and other times there's just flat out cheating. One way or another, you have to admit that the matches that have been put on recently have been smokers, absolute smokers. Eddie Hearn, Bob Arum, they both decided to step up. Big man tings from them both at the opening month of this year. Very happy with the amount of work that these two men have been putting in. Chris Eubank Jr.'s last outing against Liam Smith did not go the full 12 rounds. I expected the fight to either be stopped or close with a knockout, but not with Eubank Jr. on the receiving end. The fights prior to this saw Eubank execute a perfect jab across the center line against Will's opposition, but against Liam Smith, the jab was only a temporary solution to the forward pressure that he applied. Liam Smith's experience as a power puncher was on full display this past Saturday, and I was shocked that the ref let Eubank go. I was. I was very disappointed with the ref's decision. He could have continued, could have let Eubank Jr. ride it out, but even Eubank Jr. himself, he believed that the fight could have continued. It's just, it's tough seeing decisions like that get made. Eubank, he's well known for his crafty head movement and ability to fight while hurt, so there are multiple questions raised when a fight such as this is stopped prematurely. Eubank used the ropes to pull himself up to his feet, and on the last knockdown before the fight was called, he moved towards the ref and Smith with fighting intent. In the end, Eubank had to be held back because he wanted the match to continue. This man wanted smoke. He wanted smoke. He couldn't wait to get back in there. He tried. Unfortunately, the story of the match was closed by the ref, and there was little he could do. Post-fight, Eubank remained humble and apologized for what he said during the media buildup, to Smith, but for Smith, the conclusion of this match solidified his place as a contender within the middleweight division. As we know, this match opened up talks of a potential fight between himself and Triple G. At 41 years old, Triple G, he still remains the IBF, WBA, and IBO middleweight world champion, and Liam Smith is currently ranked number seven in the division. So, a matchup between himself and Triple G isn't entirely unlikely. This is purely just speculation here we don't know whether or not the fight is close to getting signed we don't have any of that information yet but we do know that this puts him in the crosshairs of triple g right now 
he might may or may not at this point get three more fights and then just retire who who really knows what the career of triple g looks like but if i'm being true to the boxer in myself i know that at that advanced age 41 years old like do you really want to continue the training do you really want to continue getting hit knowing that you're going to have to rely on different tactics because your speed may not necessarily be there. The same thud on your punches may not necessarily be there. Do you want to continue at that age? So, you know, my estimate is three fights, maybe four, give or take. If the opponents are lined up properly for him, three to four more fights for Triple G. But Liam Smith is a great fight for him. Smith, he also brought up Kell Brook's name a number of times, and even though he's retired, this also would be a great fight for him. I see Liam Smith and Kell Brook putting on another smoker, just like Kell Brook did against Amir Khan. He he retired Amir Khan. People people are all of a sudden forgetting that that happened. He retired Amir Khan, so nobody can argue against Kell Brook coming back out of retirement and taking a match against Liam Smith. I, I have full faith in him. I think he could take him out. There's very little to be said when it comes to Kell Brook. He's, he, he's world-class talent, and even though he's taken some tough losses, he is still world-class talent. It's undeniable. And I think Liam Smith, as I've already said, that's a smoker right there. That's bound to sell out. Liam Smith is hoping to draw out Kell Brook to further build credibility to his own name, especially considering the lack of structured activity surrounding him. So, bouncing between divisions at the moment, we know that boxing politics is really particular when it comes to guys who are bouncing between divisions. Like, a lot of people aren't going to have faith in you because you're going to win a safe, for instance, people such as Floyd Mayweather who would go up, win a championship, not defend that belt, and then go take on somebody else and then have like three belts in three different weight divisions and you're only paying sanctioning fees for one belt because you're like it it gets really complicated and there's not a lot of trust and investment in fighters who are doing that unless you are a very huge name like Floyd Mayweather Jr. So it it, it really just depends but in Liam Smith's case there's just not the same level of confidence that there has been in other fighters as of late. So hopefully this latest result against Chris Eubank Jr. gets him something major. I really hope he gets a big name fight like a Kell Brook, like a Triple G. That will be absolutely fantastic for his career and hopefully he gets a title shot soon. Hopefully. Whether it's against Triple G or whether it's against Charlo. Who knows? Maybe Charlo gets thrown a bone and he decides to fight Smith. Who knows? At this point in time, like I said, politically it's a little troubling with Smith, but this fight definitely puts him in the mix for sure and Liam Smith he could go anywhere he's a high risk fighter there's massive risk taking a fight against him signing your name on that dotted line that's a massive risk and very low reward because he has no belts he has nothing to offer he has a ranking and depending on how high or low you're ranked that may or may not be a fight you want to entertain you don't want to risk fighting a Liam Smith, but you will risk somebody who's a lot lower in the weight class, you know, just to give them a little boost in their name too, even though they, they might lose and lose bad. It still gives them a chance to be able to get out there. 
Last time I talked about Anthony Joshua, my boy AJ, I was mentioning the name Dempsey McKean as well as the name Philip Hergovich. But now it seems like Jermaine Franklin is the newest and most favorable name on the list of potential opponents. I've been seeing flyers pretty much all over social media, little fake graphics. These guys are getting to work very fast. They want to see Jermaine Franklin and Anthony Joshua soon. Jermaine's last outing really... We talked. We talked about it already. I think it was a robbery. He believes it was a robbery. The general consensus in the boxing world is that it was a robbery, and landing this fight against Anthony Joshua means that he has the chance to redeem himself and take a major foothold in the heavyweight division. He puts himself right inside of championship contention, and a big match against a name like Joshua is bound to create superstars. I, I, I cannot stress this enough. This guy could break out and become a star do what Andy Ruiz couldn't do and remain true to the hard work of the champion's mindset he could really break out into his own with this fight against Anthony Joshua and as a fan as a boxer myself seeing it from all angles as a coach even it's it's, it's a little wild to see this man come from taking a tough loss that everybody generally knows was a robbery to being pushed into the biggest fight of his career immediately. This man, I'm, I'm very happy for him, and I hope he's getting paid very well. Knowing Anthony Joshua's team, the split will most likely be decent depending on whether, there's, whether or not there's back end and things of that nature, if you know boxing contracts. It, it, it looks like it's going to be pretty good for Franklin. And I hope that he takes the training seriously. No doubt he and his camp are excited for the opportunity. And there's there's nothing more to say than to good luck to him. For AJ, it it's really about not allowing this man who just came from a freak loss, an accidental loss, as in quotes, because we all know... <laughs> This man was robbed badly. If he allows him to shock the system, this this is a massive, massive problem for Anthony Joshua. Usyk has already defeated Anthony Joshua twice, so we could either be treated to a trilogy fight or Joshua could jump across the top rank and fight Tyson Fury in a mega fight if he gets past this man. If he doesn't, and like I said, he allows Franklin to shock the system, then we're in trouble. Anthony Joshua fans are in trouble. Joshua will be in some serious mud if he loses against Jermaine Franklin. And there's, there's going to be people who support Anthony Joshua until the wheels fall off. But you, at a certain point, you have to step into reality and be honest with yourself. And recognize that this man, he's, he hasn't had a win in a, in a while. It's, it's, it's going to be a minute before... <laughs> Before this man has caught another win. It's not ideal, really. If Joshua does get the victory, there's also the third option, which would be a blockbuster matchup against Deontay Wilder for a WBC title eliminator or a WBC interim championship. This could bring Anthony Joshua back into the fold the right way due to Wilder still being the number one contender. Securing fights the old-fashioned way is the best way, in my opinion. I'm not going to 
vouch for boxing politics because I've spoken on that quite a few times already. I don't like boxing politics at all. It keeps us away from the fights that we should be getting most of the time. So, gotta keep it 100. Gotta keep it real. Sorry. I'm not the type of guy who's about that. But if we do get the fight that way, I would not be one to complain. A lot of the times, securing fights the old-fashioned way, it's it's left up to us having hope because a lot of fighters in this era they're unwilling to take big risks in their careers and to be honest it's reasonable to see why there are people who haven't taken any of the tough fights fought for vacant titles against subpar opponents and made their name that way and then there are people who took every fight possible and are celebrated but they took losses that could have been avoided and Sean Porter, he gets an honorable mention for this. Shout out to the GOAT, Sean Porter. Of course, Showtime. He fought everybody there was to fight at welterweight, and he still took losses that were questionable against Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford, TBC, when he could have taken another route that gave him championship security in another division. And of course, no one can blame a fighter for not taking risks because there, there are a lot of massive risks with, that come with huge opponents that are more more likely than not they're going to give us a massive fight you have to take it at one point or another you have to hit that stop that intersection and fight that guy that everybody knows is probably number one right alongside you you're going to have to fight that guy one way or another there are so many fights that purely put that on display we have Benavidez and Caleb Plant right now. That fight sets up a massive rematch for either Plant or it could create a championship situation where Canelo has to respect David Benavidez and move back down to 168 pounds, which means that that's going to squash all of his plans at 175 for the rematch against Bebo, potentially fighting better BF. Like, all of that's going to go out the window if David Benavidez wins. Then we also have Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. So somebody in that situation is going to take all of the spoils, the entire pot of gold. They're going to run off with that. And taking those fights, it's a blessing for not just the fans, but it's a blessing for your legacy, win or lose, because you took that risk. You took that massive step forward and you recognize like, hey, OK, this may or this might not be good for my career if I lose this. But I still stepped out. I still gave it my all. And I trained seriously. I went through a full camp at my best to give it my all when those lights came on. So you can't have anything but respect for guys like Sean Porter, like I already mentioned. Guys like Julio Cesar Chavez. Guys like Canelo. You can't have... You can't... If you have... a a level of discontent for them and the things that they've done you're just really strange for that because they took all of the, they took all of the risks they possibly could have taken to the point where they've taken injuries and had to take more time out to recover so it's like what more do you want you know and also consider the fact that you're a spectator so <laughs> it, it, it gets really strange with people sometimes there's people who will just never be satisfied and it, it does cause issues when you recognize, hey, these guys are Hall of Fame level. Why why are they still 
getting all of this disrespect and it's really weird protecting your legacy while still making yourself credible through fights that are entertaining to the general public it really creates this strange push-pull dynamic that you experience when you're a fighter there's people who are like oh you're fighting a can but then you're, you're like if i fight this killer then i lose and you guys won't be behind me anymore it's 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 a strange dynamic between a fighter and a fan that a lot of people don't really speak about. They don't really acknowledge it enough, but it, it's going to get spoken on here. Either way, Anthony Joshua made the smart decision by choosing Jermaine Franklin as his comeback fight, but it could also be the end of his story as a heavyweight championship contender. At 38 years old, it is hard to imagine seeing someone continue their boxing career. Of course, there have been some ageless wonders, but they have been few and far between. There's a common saying in our wonderful boxing community, the last thing to go as you age in the ring is your power. This is not true for Artur Vitoviev, who retained his unified light heavyweight WBC, IBF, and WBO world championships against Anthony Yard. Vitoviev somehow remains at the top of the light heavyweight division after a back and forth match against contender Anthony Yard. Yard is a special fighter. His fights are always a showcase of physical prowess and domination of the ring from start to finish. One thing that people have pointed out regardless of his fighting style is his cardio. The tendency to gas out in the middle and late rounds is a criticism a lot of boxing fans have brought out against Yard. Even though his form, ring generalship, and power all show that he is a worthy challenger for world competition. There's, there's no denying that this man Anthony Yard is up there. You could put his name next to better BFs on paper and it looks good. It looks great even. It's tough being a supporter of Anthony Yard these days because he mostly just can't seem to catch a break and stamp his name beyond domestic belts. I knew that better BF despite his age was a monster to deal with in the ring. His European left hook is one of the most devastating punches in the division. He of course put Joe Smith Jr. out of commission after holding on to his WBO light heavyweight title for just about a year. Joe Smith Jr. was world-class talent with the power to knock out most other light heavyweights in the division. He was the first man to wobble Dimitri Bivol badly, which became a highlight for both men. I remember when that clip dropped. I was there. I could not believe... I couldn't believe my eyes. Dimitri Bivol got rocked bad against this man. And still, he was just outclassed by Better BF. He was a completely different animal against Joe Smith Jr. Better BF floored Smith more than once. It was a complete demolition on Better BF's part, and his impressive knockout streak continued against Anthony Yard. He outlanded him, and he stopped him through his corner. He completely just obliterated this man on TV. It, it was just bad. Yard's corner, he couldn't see him getting much further against Better BF, although I believe he was still giving him sway rounds that could have easily gone to either of them. And making fights difficult for judges and the ref is not just great for the fans. It lets the world know that you as a fighter were still toughing it out until the end. The problems with Yard have been recurring though, and he seems to have major issues with his space management as well as his foot placement. During the fight with Sergei Kovalev, he repeatedly moved in the direction of Kovalev's power hand. In this match, Yard was winning and even came close to finishing Kovalev, knocking him out. I was going crazy, but like I said, he basically got finished himself. He almost had this man done completely 
but he himself got knocked out due to continuously making the mistake of moving towards his power hand. The same is true of his latest fight against Bredobiev. Instead of slipping and rolling to the left or simply stepping outside to take an angle to the left, Yard stepped to the right time and time again. He got battered by the left hook too many times to count. Top rank continued to show highlights of Yard getting clipped with the same punches. The left hook and the right straight seemed to get through every time. His guard was just too loose. Fedorbiev was able to work around him easily. I couldn't believe Yard didn't take his corner's advice, even though he was trying his best to throw several right hooks of his own. These hooks landed and threw Better BF off rhythm a few times, and the crowd popped off, myself included, and as the natural Dominican megaphone, I was screaming my head off. Even though he had his moments, it still wasn't enough to make me ignore Yard's troubles throughout his match. Space management issues, like I mentioned earlier, continued into the corners of the ring, where Yard was expected to take off and throw power punches until he got the desired finish. Instead of remaining on the initiative, with his foot on the gas pedal, he just allowed himself to be reversed and thrown into the corner by his opponent. Yard had the advantage and lost it to better BF just as fast as he earned it in the corner. These mistakes piled up against Yard, and even though he attempted to go out on his shield by throwing massive bombs against better BF, he still couldn't stop the onslaught coming his way. Knocks out Anthony Yard to retain his three light heavyweight championship belt. And Archer better BF does it again. 19 victories, 19 knockouts, eight championship fights. None have gone the distance because this man is a destructive force. Unstoppable, unpalpable, and once he gets going, the freight train just runs you over. And it's a great fight for both fighters. Yep. Um. Now, what is coming next is definitely the undisputed fight. There have been talks of another matchup against one of the Smith brothers. I, I don't know why he has earned that fight. I don't see that fight materializing, but like I said, I, like I mentioned to you guys earlier, boxing politics, anything can happen. These guys, they move very fast. We see Adrian Bronrich, the great AB, he ran through three different opponents in the span of three weeks, so anything can happen. The Smith brothers, Kalem, he could end up taking him on, or we could see the undisputed matchup. Hopefully that's next for him. I don't want to see better BF wasting time against opponents that he could easily fight after he becomes undisputed. So let's get that match with Bivol going. Emmanuel Navarrete and Liam Wilson put on a Hall of Fame performance for the fans where both men were knocked down. Top rank, like I mentioned earlier, this man, Bob Arum, he's been on big man tings. He's starting this year off properly. The end of the fight saw both men getting standing ovations, especially for Navarrete, who became a three-division world champion. Before Navarrete, there had only been nine three-division world champions from Mexico, so this was a history-defining moment for him and his country. For Wilson, this marked a significant milestone in his career. As an Australian from humble beginnings as well, this was Wilson's first championship fight, and he was the first man to ever knock down Navarrete in his long and illustrious career. Throughout Navarrete's 36 prior fights, he has only lost once, and this came by decision. He has never been knocked down. He has continued the long-standing tradition of Mexican fighters having diamond chins, nearly unbreakable chins, and hard-to-snatch chins, even with the most powerful chops. This was not the case with Liam Wilson. He came to fight, and he made it known that his left hook would test Navarrete, 
since he had never been truly tested against a precision power puncher like himself. In the middle rounds, Wilson seemed to have completely silenced the all-Navarrete crowd. He was controlling the fight with ease, showcasing excellent ring generalship and his composure against an unorthodox and ranged fighter like Navarrete. In the end, it was his left hook that scored the opening shot to rock Navarrete to the core, wobbling his legs. He made this man do the chicken dance. After this shocking knockdown against Navarrete, which caused the crowd to explode, Navarrete understood the assignment. He was down on the scorecards from his knockdown, and this meant he would have to either knock Wilson down or take him out completely. Navarrete, being the Mexican warrior, he took the latter option. The Mexican champ worked his way in and out, calculating and measuring with each lunging uppercut he threw square between Wilson's guard. After making Wilson believe he was in danger to the head, he immediately switched his attack to the body, throwing slick body shots from the outside foot to weaken Wilson and drain him of stamina. It was a major part of Navarrete's comeback. Wilson sensed he was hurt and applied heavy forward pressure to try to finish him, but the only way to stop him in his tracks was to ice Wilson to the body clean. This was the most effective strategy Navarrete could have employed, and it got him the finish. After the fight, Wilson was recorded by Fight Hub TV in his locker room, very emotional. He was slightly tearing up. I mean, the man lost his biggest fight of his career. And he really opened up about his experience fighting Navarrete and all the sacrifices he made for his family to watch him fight in America. Wilson himself admitted he kept up a great pace against the champion, but he made an interesting observation. He told Fight Hub TV that Navarrete received extra time after he had been knocked down. I have to watch the fight back. He claimed that he counted 30 seconds by his estimate from the time he was on the floor until he was back up on his feet ready to play. These claims may or may not be true. I'll have to watch the fight back, like I said, for myself and see if the, the count was extended. If this is true, Wilson should appeal the fight's decision and receive an immediate rematch. I highly doubt that Navarrete will be stripped by the WBO, considering he did get the knockout victory against Wilson. If this is true, this does hurt the credibility of the commission and the referee in charge of the ring at that fight. And like I said, I don't really see the WBO stripping Navarrete because on paper, he did knock Wilson out. And reversing the fight's outcome, it doesn't really seem like it'll be possible. But if, if they do find that the ref did give him a long count, then we could see Wilson back in there against Navarrete very soon. I would not be opposed to seeing a rematch between the two men, and I think it could be fight of the year part two. I don't think anybody can take anything away from Leon Wilson for his performance against Navarrete. Despite the fact that he lost, he still gave the fans exactly what they wanted. They wanted to see a war. Nobody really wants to see their favorite fighter pick up an easy fight. Most of the time, the people who do are casual fans who have absolutely no idea what's going on in the first place. So appreciating a long and drawn out fight a very back and forth fight it's something that boxing purists can really enjoy and as a fighter myself i do have to say that i'm very proud of liam wilson he was fighting in the country for the first time ever he'd only really had most of his fights take place at home and the one time he did lose he redeemed that by knocking the man clean out and Really, I don't think anybody can be mad at Liam Wilson for wanting to petition for the fight to be reviewed 
he believes that he was robbed of an opportunity to completely just demolish Navarrete, which he was very close to doing. He had that man on the ropes. He was so far really the best challenger for Navarrete. So it's 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 really more of a situation closer to Isak Pitbull Cruz and Tank Davis. A lot of people want to see that rematch because Isak Cruz gave Tank a run for his money. He was the only fighter throughout all of Tank's fights to give this man Tank a challenge. So it's it's only natural for people to want to see this fight be run back. I, like I said already, would not be opposed to seeing Liam Wilson back in there with Navarrete. There are a lot of other fights on the table for him, and it's fair to respect the fact that it was a challenge, it's time for him to move on, let's unify those belts, become undisputed. It's, it's, it's fair for us to say that, but at the same time, you also have to consider things from the point of view of Liam Wilson, who sacrificed everything to be able to get this opportunity and to have a situation like that happen to him. It's, it's very disheartening as a fighter to know that you gave your all, and the referee could have potentially been the deciding factor between you winning and you losing and getting knocked out. And now we are on to the most recent news. Ray Vargas. He returns this weekend for a matchup against Oshaki Foster. This match will be for the WBC Super Featherweight Championship of the World, and I'm excited to see Ray Vargas back in there. After capturing the WBC Featherweight Championship against Mark Moxayo, Vargas is looking to join Emmanuel Navarrete and many others as a Mexican three-division world champion. The setting and timing of this matchup is perfect. The Otumba native is in his prime and could continue to take on competition at the world level. The speed and finesse of Vargas's style has carried him onward to an impressive undefeated streak of 36-0. Claiming more than one belt can open up the possibilities in the Super Featherweight division. Vacating his belts and leaving the division to take on the lightweights was a decision from Shakur Stevenson that gave massive opportunities for fighters like Ray Vargas. I am very excited to see him back in the ring, and I expect nothing less than fireworks from this man. He's just been on a tear recently, and no one can deny that he's next up in the Super Featherweight division. He already has conquered two other divisions, claimed a belt, and it looks like the WBC is able to grant this man the opportunity to be able to get up there and challenge for a vacant belt. I have seen people complain about their favorite fighters fighting for vacant belts before, but me personally, I, I don't think it's a bad thing because if he does win this fight, like I mentioned earlier with Emmanuel Navarrete, unifying and getting the fights that are major completed, no, nobody can be mad at that. So Ray Vargas getting this opportunity for a vacant belt, it just opens up the possibilities further for him. It's a career-defining fight. No one can say otherwise. Any any fight that's really for a belt, vacant or not, it's a career-defining fight. You are achieving the milestone of becoming a world champion, which is something that a lot of people don't have the privilege of saying they've done before. So I, I don't expect anybody to be disappointed with the result. I think Ray Vargas will get the fight done either by, either by, either by knockout or decision. He could take it any way he wants to. Foster, I believe he'll be a great challenge, even though he has two losses to his name. 
they know what they're doing. PBC, they've they've got it together. And this card, I think, will be great for the fans. Vargas fans, Foster fans, fans of the sport in general. And I hope to see this man in the four corners. Now, a split decision victory over Mark Marsayo may not convince people. But when you take a look at Ray Vargas's record, 36 wins, 22 of those by knockout, and he's gotten 222 rounds under his belt with a 61% knockout frequency percentage. I, I don't see how people can be dissatisfied with this man in his career. An orthodox fighter, 5'7", he's, he's been making things shake for a while. He's been at bantamweight, been at featherweight, now he's at super featherweight. He's just looking to make fights that are progressive. He's not really trying to sit on his hands. And I, I don't see how people can be frustrated with that. Recently, there has been a lot of talk of a fight potentially happening between him and Regis, which is possible. I don't think that that is a bad fight for either man. And with Regis performing the way he is now, I, I can see the fight happening. I can see Vargas potentially wanting to, like, bide his time and let that fight materialize on its own before chasing it vocally, going out on social media, post-fight, things of that nature to get the fight finished. It, it all depends on what's next for Regis and how he wants to take his career moving forward. Seeing as he, he would potentially, in my opinion, be the A-side, so... Whether or not that fight comes together, we'll see. I hope it does. I like that fight for both of them. And overall, if you aren't paying attention to either of these men, one or the other, you're missing out. These guys are putting on spectacular matches in the lower weight classes. So keep your eyes open for both of them. Now, what I mentioned what was next for Progres, we also have to remember that this man is at super bantamweight, and he's got some major issues regarding getting things cleared up with Teofimo Lopez. Lopez and his dad are going off on social media talking about Progres, his fights recently. They believe that they'll be able to knock him out. Of course, there's disagreements across the board about that i talked about that on the show already i don't think that lopez is going to be able to handle progress in the fashion that he and his father believe that they'll be able to do it but it'll be a great fight nonetheless so if he can work around all of that social media talk and give vargas the opportunity to move up and wait and make this fight happen i i think it would be great like i mentioned earlier already this fight would be amazing. Progress, he's at 34 years old, only an inch taller than Vargas, so let's get it let's get it done. Let's make it happen. There's no reason not to make it happen other than the Josh Taylor situation, like I mentioned already, the Teofimo Lopez situation. There, there there's so many other avenues that Progress could take as opposed to fighting a man who's coming up from weight classes below him. So Anything could really happen. Anything can happen. This sport is unpredictable, <laughs> as we all know. 
and contracts get thrown all over the place. Some of them get thrown across the table. Some of them get thrown in the trash. Sometimes you just have to speculate and let the magic happen. And this brings a close to another week of Geek to Your Boy. Thank you so much for choosing my podcast for your weekly dose of unboxing and interlude. It makes me so happy being able to bring y'all the best I have to offer. There are some interesting matchups coming this month and in March, Benavidez plant included. I'm excited to see what's next for the sport. Don't forget to support your local boxers this weekend. I've been seeing a lot of promotional material online, so make sure you get out there. Those tickets are not expensive. This is your host, Damani Mater, and this is DQ with Damani, wishing you a wonderful weekend of boxing. Be safe and God bless.